Well, hello, Louis Clark. Mm, hello, Ryan Seibert. Hello, everyone else. Thanks for joining us today on the Imitating Jesus podcast, hosted by Icon Ministries. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Seibert, and today I am joined by the indescribable Louis Fitch Clark III. Uh, the vision of Icon Ministries and this podcast is to see disciples everywhere loving like Jesus and to cast a kingdom vision that captures the imagination of what being a disciple of Jesus can be. Uh, today's topic is going to be um, suffering and the pandemic and how we as disciples of Jesus and disciple makers are to respond. Louie, how are you doing there today? I'm doing great. Any uh, particular suffering that you'd like to tell us about this moment? I'm done with all my shots. <laughs> oh, that's good. So, that's yeah. good. You're wearing uh, blue today. You always look sharp and blue. And you always <laughs> look sharp every day because you wear blue every day. But uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> that's right. Uh, Louie, I don't know about you, but I feel like I've never really, really feared for the future quite like mm -hmm. this cultural moment. Um, and I'm usually a pretty optimistic guy, glasses half full, everything's gonna be okay. But man, things are just kind of bananas in the world right now. I, I feel like there's this pattern. I can't believe, I can't remember if I thought about this or somebody told me, probably someone mentioned this to me. I don't have a ton of original thoughts, but you know, just looking back over the last 100 years, it seems like every, every 20 years or so, there's been a, an existential crisis. Like, is this the end of the world as we know it? Uh, 100 years ago, it was World War One. 20 years later, it's World War Two. Uh, 20 years after that, it's, it's the Cuban Missile Crisis and the threat of mm -hmm. communist, communism taking over the globe. Uh, 20 years later, we're in the 80s, and it's the height of the Cold War, mutually assured destruction. 20 years after that, it's 9-11 and the war on terrorism and, and the threat coming to our own soil. And then now, 20 years later, this cultural moment, it's, a, it's our country fractured in our political scene, just mm -hmm. riots at the Capitol, contentious elections, so much division, hate, vitriol in families, like divided over this thing, the, the future of our democracy in question. And then, then there's the serious issues we have regarding race in America, the, the justified anger and pain of people of color, and the, the church's inability to to respond well, the, the tension between these groups, it's so, so heavy, no simple fix. And then of course, COVID-19, this little global pandemic we find ourselves in, millions infected, hundreds of thousands dead in America, millions globally, not to mention the isolation that that's caused and exacerbating the mental health issues of so many. Financial concerns, millions of jobs lost, rent unpaid, it is lost on no one that we are in a time of remarkable corporate, as in like all of humanity suffering, as well as individual and like family, personal level suffering. So, but yet God is over it all and God is in it all and God has a purpose for it all. Uh, Louis, you have given much thought to the idea of suffering and its role in our lives as disciples of Jesus, as well as the process of making disciples of Jesus. 
And even just on a personal note, you have been the source of much suffering for so many people, myself included. I just feel like who better to talk to than the sultan of suffering, Louis Clark. So here's, here's my starter question, Louis. As, as the church, as those of us who are, are called to follow Jesus and to make followers of Jesus, how are we to view this season of widespread suffering? Well, that we do have a loving Heavenly Father who is on the throne, who is all-powerful, who's perfect in wisdom, and um, we know what we're not supposed to do, and that is to worry. If there's one thing a disciple of Jesus cannot do is worry, um, because worry is a, a mistrust, a distrust in uh, the Heavenly Father, and that's what Israel struggled with when they're up against mm -hmm. the Promised Land. Uh, they looked at their circumstances, and what did they say in Deuteronomy 1? God hates us. Mm -hmm. God has brought us here to destroy us. Well, the Father, through a totally different lens, you know, on a different lens that Caleb did have, was, no, I was like a father carrying you in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And so, it, you know, it doesn't matter if it was World War I or the Cold War or the Spanish flu and now COVID. The truth is that we have a Heavenly Father who um, is promised to take care of us and there's nothing to worry about. And even if there's death, it's, you know, we are not like those who are without hope. This is, this is not it. Mm -hmm. you know? this, this, there's an eternal um, aspect and um, that's that's where my assurance is that we have a you know a good God who's loving us he was sing you know I'm single and I've never been married and singles come to me and they go I don't want to die alone you know I want to get married because I don't want to die alone and you're going well in how, how can you guarantee that that you're you know you, what your your mate may die before you and you still die alone mm -hmm. You know, or who's going to take care of me in my old age? Well, the same thing that, you know, you're not guaranteed that your wife or your kids will be there to take. You may be taking care of your wife in old age, not See her taking I mean? care of you. See what I mean? Sultan and, of suffering. You're just Debbie so, Downer all the time. Well, my point is the only assurance I can give you is that your heavenly father has promised to take care of you. You know, if he's aware of the birds, he's aware how many head hairs on your head and have a lot less now than I used to and you know the lowest he's going to take care of you and so you know in the midst of COVID that is our hope yeah you know and that's what we're you know and that's what this is all about in reality is hope yeah. and you're teaching your disciple this assurance of what is unseen mm -hmm. and what is in the future based on the reliability of a loving Heavenly Father. You know, it's not in the vaccine. It's not in the government. It's not in the medical community. Our hope and reliability and is in the Heavenly Father. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're trying to disciple. And see, that's why the Spirit of God brings suffering into your disciples' life in order for you to be able to teach them hope and reliance on the Heavenly Father. So. so let's let's back it up for a second to 
you're starting to talk about like how we use the process of suffering uh, to, to build into those we are investing in, those we're discipling in their lives. But let's, let's start at the macro level for a second. What do you feel like this, uh, the pandemic, all that's going on in the world right now, what do you feel like that is exposed about us as the body of Christ? It is the COVID is a stress test. Um, my friend Martha Strickland at uh, Penn State University, uh, that's how she penned it. It wasn't original with me. She says, you know, it's a stress test. A few years ago, I went down here to Swedish Covenant Hospital, and they shot radiation stuff in me, you know, in my veins. And then I had to run on a treadmill uh, so they could see how my heart was. It was a stress test. And, and it exposes any weakness and we have been through a stress test, you know. Um, I think the, God put the whole world on Shabbat, uh, Sabbath. You know, I think God put us back into our homes. I think God put us back around the dinner table, you know, in this, this one virus. Um, but it was a stress test. And, and across all of the kingdom, of all of Christianity, it exposed, you know, where our weaknesses were. And, and probably where some of our strengths were, you know, in both cases. And, um, and suffering brings stress to me, and it, 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 it causes me to um, question the goodness of God. It, call, it causes me often to leave the path of obedience, and what's the path of obedience is trust and not worrying. <laughs> That's how I know. And, uh, and so, so he, uh, what it did was on a personal level for many of us is like is god good is god going to be good to me am i going to get the virus or not get the virus and so it exposes how we truly view god and how we think he views us you know um you know people will like say things like oh god was so good we had beautiful weather for our church picnic this weekend i said well you know what i'm glad you had a great church picnic picnic but god is good if a tornado came through your picnic you know that you know our our view of god is not based on our circumstances nowhere does the bible say you know um to that the goodness of god the love of god is based on how good is god to you in your circumstances yeah you know um so i'm done yeah well and i <laughs> I think it's a matter of kind of reframing what suffering is because suffering is generally seen as the enemy. Suffering is generally seen as a thing to avoid at all costs. But first of all, we shouldn't be surprised when suffering comes because it was the way of Jesus. And if we want to follow Jesus, then we follow in his way. And so we know that suffering is going to come, whether that's pandemic whether that's mental health, whether, you know, whatever that is, we know that it's coming. And just as that suffering produced incredible eternal value when Jesus went to the cross and died for our sins and, and restored our relationship with God, that I know the suffering in my life and in the life of those around me, that is done to produce eternal value. And, and we need that to strengthen. I mean, the doctor gave you that stress test to see what was going on inside so they could make you stronger. And I feel like, I don't know, Louis, if you feel like you've spent much time around godly people who have been through a lot of suffering, but it is a profound thing. Um, and for those listening, I don't know if you have anybody in your spheres or family who's had to endure a great deal of, of hard things. I, I don't just mean the everyday kind of 
crummy, hard to deal with stuff in life. I'm talking about the, the spirit crushing. God, are you there? When will this end come? Lord Jesus stuff, like chronic illness, death of a loved one, um, abuse, those betrayed by those closer to, to them. Like this, this might sound strange, but we, we need to find these type of people. I need to find these type of people, people who have walked through the desert of suffering, yet their faith continues to grow. And I need to find these people. I, I want to just like pull up right next to them and observe the manner in which they live in which they pray and the measure of their faith. Um, why? It's, be, it's because God has allowed suffering in their life so that he might be glorified, that their roots would grow deeper and stronger. And so that others like me may eat of the fruit of their faith and grow stronger. Because I, I just feel like people who've walked through suffering with their face turned towards God, they, they just have, their faith has a weight, their word has a heaviness, a gravitas that's only conferred by the school of suffering. So I just think we need, from that starting point, we just need to see that suffering in my life and in those around me is an opportunity for the greatest growth that I can experience. And it's, and what you're talking about there is love. Um, God demonstrated his love for us um, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Going back to what you were talking about, the cross. The, the cross is the demonstration of love. This is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay, that's, there, there, is, uh, there is a death there. There is a, a, a suffering there. And what's my biggest problem is my complacency to, to the love of God. Yeah. I'm complacent. I love, I'm apathetic. Why in the world, if God is love and, and the perfect love, why wouldn't I be spending every moment I could with him, you know, in prayer and in the word, but I find myself avoiding God? Or just being, again, complacent. And I believe it is uh, the suffering that blows us out of those apathetic, mm -hmm. apathetic uh, ruts and, and brings us to right. love, you know, to him. You know, it is, my portal is the suffering. Uh, my, the suffering is the portal to God, which is a portal to love. Do you say it, something? Good. It, well, it, it, it's like... The suffering, if we're walking around, if I'm crutching up my happiness in my life with like my circumstances, then the suffering is what kicks those crutches out from underneath my arms so that I'm just totally dependent on, on God. Um, Louis, I've heard you say many times that the purpose of, of your suffering, mm -hmm. the purpose of the suffering that I experience may be for the benefit of, of someone else. Where where do you get that idea? Well, what does that mean to you? Paul, who is my one of my keen examples of how to make disciples of Jesus, in 2 Corinthians 1, he says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and your salvation. Mm -hmm. um, then in chapter 4, he says, so death is at work in us, but life is in work in you. And, um, and it is for your benefit that the grace that is reaching more and more people um, cause the thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. And so um, I suffer in order that others have life. What prepares you to be a disciple maker? What qualifies you is not some course you went to and you put it on the wall, you know, I'm certified, look. No, it's, it's suffering. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, the more you suffer, the more you're qualified 
to make disciples of Jesus. And uh, an example of that is, um, as uh, probably a lot of you know, I was diagnosed with cancer. I don't know how many years ago was that, Ryan? Nine? I don't know. Yeah, about right. Years, nine years ago. And no, um, more than that, 10, 11, go ahead. 10. Yeah, Not okay. Whenever it was. Um, and, you know, that was a, a blow. You know, you think, okay, I can hand. I think I can handle this. But as soon as the doctor said, unfortunately, you know, all the oxygen got sucked out of the room. And um, Ryan was there with me, he drove me home, and, and uh, we prayed. And I told everybody here, I said, just, I'd like some time alone this evening just to work with the Lord. Well, one of the men who was, uh, had living with us, uh, or a part of our ministry here, he, uh, he worked on the docks here in Lake Michigan, and uh, he called me. He didn't, had no idea that I'd been just diagnosed with cancer. He called me and said, can you come pick me up? My parents just separated, and I'm devastated. Well, the last thing I wanted to do was get in my car, drive across the city, go get him. You know, I didn't, I didn't, have, I didn't have enough gas in my own soul. Um, but when he, when he got in the car and just opened up, I don't know if he knows to this day that that was the day I was diagnosed, you know, but when he opened up, you know, the, the, the suffering and the brokenness in my own heart compared to his broken, to his heart and brokenness, you know, just put our souls together that we still have a tight bond with to this day, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and that's why, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out, God, why am I suffering? It doesn't make sense. Well, it could be you're suffering for the benefit of somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, rather than looking, oh, okay, what am I missing in here? Some, some sin, some, something in my life. Well, there may not right. be. It may be that God is doing this to, uh, to impact the lives of others. When it, it, it seems like the, one of the cruel parts of suffering is that it, it just gets us spinning in this internal loop where I'm just looking inside or just seeing my circumstances and that's all that I can see. But, but with, Paul, with the Apostle Paul's perspective on what suffering is for, is that it's for others. And that helps me see beyond my situation to know that there is good coming from this. And I think that can be one of the things that draws up uh, us out of the despair of suffering mm -hmm. is to know that this is an opportunity that God has given me to comfort, to be a comfort to those who are walking in sin and hurt well, and pain. And what that brings up, too, is suffering is the curriculum of making disciples of Jesus. Okay, and uh, it's not the only thing, but um, let's take the example with Peter. He'd been with Jesus for 27 months. You think, hey, being with Jesus all these almost three years, you know, I got it together. And what at the last night, uh, Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. And you know what? The father and I said, OK, <laughs> you know. And um, and my prayer for you is that your faith would not fail you and uh, that your faith would not fail. And um, so probably one of Peter's worst failures happened the, the last night he was with Jesus. Well, you know, in, in the whole in making disciples, what you're looking for how, is where they are suffering, where the spirit of God is working in their life is where they are suffering. It's not about your curriculum. Okay, let me take you through this book step by step. Let me take you through this program where what we're really doing is joining the Holy Spirit and his work in your disciples' life. And how you know what that is, is by the suffering.
that's the flag waving. Okay, this is where I'm at work in, you know, Tom's life. It's, it's uh, where they are suffering. And that is where the Spirit of God has put, you know, his finger in their heart. And uh, then I joined the Holy Spirit at that point uh, in order to show them the way of God, to show them the hope that's found in the gospel, the love of God. Yeah. Well, let, let's press into that a little more specifically and practically, Louis. Like, what, what then does that look like to begin to walk with someone through their suffering? Like, what are the practical things that you're doing, steps that you're taking with them? Well, first of all, is listening to their story and listening well, not saying, okay, uh, here's, here's my uh, approach to disciple making. Here's my book, my curriculum. Here's what I've seen that's worked for other people. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be like going to an eye doctor and the eye doctor, you know, you say, Hey, I'm trouble, trouble seeing. And he takes off his glasses and says, here, use mine. And you say, I can't see anything out of them. Well, they've worked well for me for years. What's wrong with you? And now all of a sudden your eye doctor is working on you without his glasses. And that's that's right. It's a lose-lose. But rather listening to where has God been work, even in their childhood. You know, all of us have suffered when we were children. And that has formed us. And sometimes it's formed us to be closer to God. Sometimes we become bitter towards God, bitter towards our parents, bitter towards that school bitter towards that coach, whatever. And so it's listening to the story of God, listening to where they have suffered. And then, okay, where have they properly gone to God in love in this? Where have they become bitter? Where have they closed themselves off, put up walls of protection Mm -hmm. from God and others because of that suffering? So are are you waiting for people to kind of volunteer that information, Louis, or... Or is it, are you asking questions or how, how are you drawing out that story to, to have that understanding? Yeah, asking questions and just asking them to tell the story. Most people, most people will never have anyone sit down with them and just tell me your story. You know, maybe going to a therapist or something, but just in relationships, in friendships. And, you know, and another thing I think that's important is important is that C.S. Lewis says that by the time you're 14, your view of the world, God, and yourself is pretty well set. And so when he wrote his autobiography, he said, I'm going to basically tell you about the first 14 years of my life, even though I'm 54 years old. Because cause much of who I am was through the suffering that I had as a child. His mother died when he was eight years old. Um, so I, I spoke at a men's retreat in Canada uh, before COVID. And part of what we do is have people tell their story. Well, they had me go in a group with two other men. One was over 70 and one was in his 60s. And they had, you know, written out their stories and we were going to tell each other our stories. Both of them basically got up to age 16 or 17, even though they were 70 years old, even though he was in his 60s. Both of them, we never got past their teenage years because that is where much of who they were was formed. So it's, it's listening intently to the suffering that they had even as children. Yeah. So, so what happens when you're asking those questions, you're getting a person's story, you're really digging in, and they, just, they lay this thing on the table in front of you. They, they tell you about the, how they were bullied to the point of you know, being suicidal. They tell you about the abuse they experienced. They tell you about just the deep insecurities 
that were formed when their family started breaking apart. Like, then what do you do with those things? Well, it's, it's taking them to the loving father, that the loving father, you know, even back in those, those childhood memories, the fa loving father was there, that um, taking them to um, understanding the ways of God and wisdom and, his, you know, and the fact that he is, he is all powerful, he is all loving, he's perfect in wisdom, and, um, and giving them what they probably should have got either from parents or from you know, other spiritual people around them in their church if they were you know, part of that. But, but we have the, you know, we're pretty amazing about how we ignore the suffering of children. Even though we remember what it was like to suffer as a child mm -hmm. and the pain of that, and so entering, even entering into the, the, the pain that experiences experience as a child, and, um, and even, even in our ministry here, just being aware of childhood pain with our kids mm -hmm. in our ministry and not just patting them on the head, okay, you'll be okay, but teaching them God in those moments. Yeah. Did well, I answer and, your question? Yeah. I, and okay. I think as people kind of ex expose those hard things or we enter in suffering with people, I always feel like sometimes I feel the pressure like I got I have to have that perfect piece of wisdom I got to drop that you know pithy saying that the perfect scripture for that moment but just recognizing it's not about being profound it, it's just usually about being present and just yep. sitting in the, sitting in the ditch with people with an arm around them crying when they're crying just being there with them. Mm -hmm. Um, Louis, I've, yeah. I've, uh, I've seen you draw on many a napkin, what, what we would call the suffering chart. Can you, and I think it's in your book, imitating Jesus yeah. book, chapter eight, um, talking about defining moments in a person's life. Can you, can you talk us through a little bit about that, that chart and your approach to that? Yeah, I don't know if you can, uh, I can't tell how to do yeah. this. You can see high tech. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah. backwards, that, but you oh, it's backwards. Okay. Well, it's the top line is your disciples' life and then your life at the bottom. And over, I think it takes three years to make a disciple, you know. Over the three-year period, the Spirit orchestrates circumstances that bring them down to this teachable moment. Um, and it, and at, that moment, at that point, you as a disciple-maker making the sacrifice to go be with them in that moment mm -hmm. and not say, okay, let's talk about this in a week or two. But it's like when the guy called me from the marina the night I was diagnosed with cancer. Okay, it was a sacrifice for me to go there to be with him. But that is what bound us together in love. Um, and, and that's what continues to bind our hearts together is those, my willingness to sacrifice over the years where they come to suffer, I'm there for them, you know, and it's just um, over a long period of time, it's what builds the friendship that builds the trust. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically the concept. Yeah. And yeah, th then that just ends up being the nature of the relationship going down, coming up, meeting those needs. And, and really you can, there can be more growth that occurs in that one week of, of deep suffering and despair than in a whole year of meeting together so, weekly at, at Starbucks talking, you know, yeah. through things like that. It just feels like that's the sh where God is shouting the loudest. And I mean, I remember uh, a few years ago, I was in, I was discipling, investing in two college students, and both of them about the same time, like 
family of origin just fell apart like and they were devastated they were hundreds of miles away from home just didn't know like never thought this would be their family never saw this coming and i remember just sitting with those guys and just <laughs> weeping with them as they wept and just all the anger they felt and the confusion they felt and the hurt they felt and just sitting in that and i couldn't relate to it louis that that's never been suffering yeah. that i've walked through but but having had my own hurt, just knowing that I just need to be here and sit in this moment. And I tell you, in, in those days, in those weeks of walking through that with them, there was more growth in, in their likeness to Jesus, in their nearness to God, and then in our connection as, as brothers in arms. Like, more happened in those weeks than the years before or after, probably. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I, just, I have nothing to add to that other than that it, it accelerates the whole process of deciding yeah. making. So. Uh, Louis, any other final thoughts on suffering and the pandemic and how we are to approach that as followers of Christ trying to make followers of Christ? Parting comments. COVID does not disrupt the advancement of the kingdom of God. COVID gives us opportunity through suffering and uh, to, you know, and through the relationship, through our dinner table, through being with our families to advance the kingdom of God. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank, thanks. Uh, thank you all for listening to the podcast today on how to make disciples in light of suffering and the pandemic. You can head over to iconministries.org to connect with us or access some of the other articles that uh, our staff and other uh, ministry partners have written other videos on disciple making we are a, a faith-based ministry relying on the gifts of god's people and our hearts are full of gratitude for the scores of brothers and sisters who generously give to make our disciple making efforts possible if, if you would like to give towards the support of the ministry you can click on the donate button at our website at iconministries.org louis thanks again for your Thank you, for your insights love you so much um thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time